I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. In my own search for self-understanding, I have met people from all walks of life. I bring to you a taste of these encounters. Welcome to Outer Travel Inner Journey. On my show today, I'm talking to Marcelo Valanci. Valanci, yes. <laughs> Hello, Marcelo. Good to have you here. Thank you for having me here. Yes, it's a pleasure. Marcelo is here today to talk with me about how he founded a um, community in in Costa Rica near San Mateo, but it's more or less in the jungle. That's what I was trying to find the word for, right? It's right in the jungle. It's in the middle of nowhere, so to speak, right? We are we are not in the middle of nowhere. Like we are like an hour outside the city. In okay. the, uh, it used to be um, a cow farm. Cow and, farm, yeah. Uh, pretty much what we work on was the regeneration of the land, restoring the land, restoring the ecosystem, hmm. making the wildlife come back, the soil come back, the trees wow. coming back, and now it's a, it's a forest. So we are in the jungle, uh, but it, it was in 10, 12 yes. years ago. Wow. Okay. So this is the subject of today's podcast. If dear listener, if you're interested to see how somebody came to change around his life and became a landowner and building a permaculture culture with how many lots are there on, on that land? hundred. We are 45 families from 29 different countries. Yes. So a huge challenge on different levels, obviously. Yeah, that is my very, very first question. This is the how and why, Marcelo, what drove you to do that? What was your yeah, turning point? I mean, they, it, there, I can say that there was one turning point. It was mm. more a journey, and in that journey, there were many turning points. Mm. I was born in Argentina yes. and in a big city in Buenos Aires. So I had a very big disconnection from nature. Nature was mm. this place that I would go once, uh, once in a while, weekends or holidays, and spend a little time. And... It's like, you know, most of the memories that I have, the happiest memories I have mm. from childhood are in nature. Yeah. And, but I haven't spent that much, much time. And I, I knew I didn't like the city, but I didn't know anything different because when you're born in an environment, unless you li live and experience something else, yeah. you, that's what you're used to and stay with it hmm. so you know i had a complete disconnection not only from nature but from food like yeah. what kind of like where the food comes from or like how is it raised how like what is yeah. really healthy and yeah and when you buy everything and comes in a box in a package and 
Mm. Don't really know where, like how a banana or a papaya grows or like, like I even had a, a, fr a friend that we were traveling together and he didn't even know that the milk came from cows. Right. <laughs> so, I don't want to ask around the young kids in Berlin here, you know, I think a lot of them don't know that either where, maybe not the milk, but a lot of like, where do apples come from or bananas, you know, they have no clue. <laughs> so seems to be, seems to be the way the world is developing in one direction, but also in the other, as you, you kind of discovered that is something that was lacking from your life. Yeah. Not, not only, not only uh, the, there was this disconnection from food, but also this connection from people. Like we, we live around many people. Mm. Like I used to live in a building with 30, 40 floors. Yeah. There were many people living there, but I didn't even know my neighbors, like my next door neighbors. I didn't know anyone yeah. or anything. So it was a big, um, like, really disconnection and lack of community yeah and i you know like part of like when i had the chance after i finished high school i i left with, with a backpack and went traveling around the world mm. and i visit ancient communities i visit and you could see the difference on the culture yeah and, yeah, but the Argentinians, they do have, like, they do have indigenous tribes still, don't they? I mean, I'm not, I haven't very, really researched that. Um, like they, were, they were killed by, yeah, all the conquerors and yes. ones. Okay. So they, there are not many, many tribes left, but uh, there are many places around the world that you can find uh, in Africa, in in the Amazons, in mm -hmm. uh, North America, in certain places that they are more like you can find some tribes mm -hmm. that they kept the, their wisdom and mm. um, and also new communities that were forming and and I saw nature like it was the first chance that I had to connect with nature yeah. and at the same time seeing what we are doing as a as a species and how we are deploying like destroying all these natural environments for mm. greed mm. and like keeping up with a lifestyle that is not sustainable yeah yeah so that's a big issue that's coming up again and again yeah, it's coming up again and again, and we are not doing enough, and we keep consuming mm. as if the planet can support that forever. Mm. And, um, you know, it's uh, for me, it's not like these viruses that we are experiencing today in yeah. society, or it's a defense mechanism from the planet, from us. We have no predators as mm. we had before mm. and you know we have three four times the amount of people born like being born every year versus the amount of death so the overpopulation is is happening and yeah. we don't have uh, that so when 
you know it's for me it's a very mild uh, thing that is happening compared to what it could be mm. like the effects the of, adjustment of the planet itself yeah the adjustment the planet is taking through the virus yeah yeah which we're yeah yeah, yeah but not, not only the virus but it's also like the big big uh, impact that you know weather wise uh, mm. air climate soil, yeah. climate it, mm. it's something that we in case we we get conscious about it and really make a change we will not survive as a species i feel that the planet is much stronger than us and that they it will like yes wipe us out yeah <laughs> there's a few people can, who yeah i think they're living and instead of like cleaning the land and cutting everything if we start planting trees regenerating the ecosystem mm. and we can live in harmony with nature and we can produce more than we consume um, in communities that we can support each other in our growth and awareness mm. and being able to be there for each other in good times and in tough times yeah. so that was always at the heart of what you wanted uh, once you kind of this discovered that um, indigenous people live differently i mean it made it made sense and not only indigenous people you have like uh, quakers and different uh, group of people that they've been living in villages and mm. in tribes for thousands of years and it's recently that we went into this individualism in into small families and we expect that you know our partner will supply us with all the roles and all the functions that a village used to supply so it's a very hard burn burden yeah in, in the relationships because yeah. it's impossible that you could be everything so you know it was a you know as well in in 2001 there was a big economic crisis in argentina i wasn't mm -hmm. there but my family was and i mm -hmm. i saw it from far but pretty much economy collapsed all the banks took the money people were were not allowed to get their money many banks they the foreigner banks they they took the baggage and left yeah and, and you had to weigh the money wasn't that the story like kind of really kind of woke up the world you know that you you don't count the bills anymore but you had to weigh the money in just in order to to make it some worth yeah or give it some yeah, worth that, that, that was a case in some, if, if they were lucky enough that they had something to weigh but yeah uh, many people they had to get very creative and they started like community gardens they started uh, bargaining like giving oh, i give you my watch you give me a piece of bread mm. uh, and so it was a it was a very tough time and that you know put me in the importance of being self-sufficient mm. and you know, I, I started learning how to, and that time I was already living in Costa Rica, in the middle of the jungle and growing my food, producing my energy, water, and 
I was in my early 20s mm. and I had like the, you know, I felt a freedom like I never felt before. It was like printing my own money. I didn't need money to live. Money was an extra, mm. but all the basics, I had them covered. Mm. But what I didn't have at that time was community. Yeah. And so like, uh, you know, we growing food and supplying ourselves with water, with energy, having a shelter, it's not the not more complicated stuff, like creating community and living in a, in a healthy community and be able to grow ourselves. You know, it's the most difficult part about uh, creating the village, dealing with the ego, egos, dealing with our awareness, dealing with conflict, how, mm. if, how to prevent conflict, if conflict arise, how to solve it. Mm. So it's those invisible structures that are mm -hmm. so important in uh, when when you create a village, when you put a bunch of people that they don't know each other and that we are not only different ages, different backgrounds, different experiences, and that, you know, like we have different levels of awareness, different sensitivities, different everything. So it's, it's hard when you have like, and we didn't know each other. Yeah. So it was a challenge how to make it that these people that we were strangers, how we became very good friends and family feeling. Yeah. Yeah, because it requires some sort of lead, doesn't it? And we're not used to have leaders within, but, you know, leading from within instead of having the one leader. But if everybody is feels empowered to lead um, or kind of contribute to a uh, community, then, then that can work. But we're not trained as this. And I suppose most of the people who came initially um, you only have to, you as listener, you only have to click on the website to see what, you know, how beautiful that land is. Um, you, everybody is probably, first of all, attracted to what they can have, that nature is right at hand and the freedom that it offers for the whole family to move around. And, but maybe not so many are thinking around, you know, what will it be like to, to have to contribute into this community because community can only exist not if we become neighbors like you kind of live and experienced yeah. in that house in Argentina in Buenos Aires and we have to kind and of communicate for sure and it it, it is uh, it creates a lot of resistance uh, if you force people to do anything here in Ecovia I set it up in a way the legal structure is called condominium and mm -hmm. it's a subdivision where you own your lot. Yeah. And you can go and apply for a loan with the bank. You can rent it, sell it. It's your property. And then you are part owner of 70% of the land that are communal areas. You are part owner. And yeah. the, only re the only responsibility you have is to contribute with a monthly payment that mm. we hire local workers to grow our food 
maintain the roads, the swimming pool, the yoga, mm. the, all the lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but nobody's forced to do anything. Mm. So people feel very, you know, they said, oh, I love it. I love the idea. I don't have any anything. So the, the ones that are more uh, introverts, mm -hmm. that they don't want to participate, they don't want to open up, or any, they don't have to. It's a huh. choice. And nobody's forced to do anything. So oh. it's an invitation. Yeah, sorry for interrupting. Um, but that brings back my question to you know what you were saying earlier that you missed community in that set setup um and so what does community mean to you then so community community for me it's you know the the opportunity to for the common the, the the people to come together for a similar cause the invitation here was that we can live in harmony with nature with each other mm. and with ourselves yeah so it uh, pretty much you know that that's been evolving and it is whenever you said something like oh let's be a tribe let's be a family let's be friends you can create resistance but if you mm. just it's like saying someone putting an ad and saying i i want to fall in love right right away you're, you're going to be the love of my life people yes. are gonna, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. like this is like we get to know each other you create that so in this invitation we started offering woman circles men's circles um we started having like a lot of activities with the kids and what i created as a founder and developer of laicovia it's the container for that to happen so for example here because of ecological reasons and social reasons people cannot have individual pools in their lot mm. there is one big communal swimming pool okay so people go and gather there whenever they want to go there is a yoga platform where people offer yoga meditation tai chi ching kong many mm. things so everybody we have a, a whatsapp groups and they said we are we are doing this um, and anyone that wants to join is welcome yeah we are having a potluck we are mm. like everybody we get together for communal meals we are going to hire a chef and he's mm. going to come and cook for us so they are offerings all the time a birthday party ceremony mm. um all kinds of activities that are offered mm. and people can choose if they want to participate or not mm. nobody is forced to say okay you have to do this mm. um so that gives a lot of um, creates a non-resistant thing because you're not forced to do anything. It's just, it's your choice. Mm. Um, so people like slowly start, okay, I can go to this. They start making friends. They start interacting more. Mm. And it's a 
it's a growing thing. It's not like saying, okay, from now on, like you have to come to every meeting, you have to meditate every day, you have to do this yeah. or that. Um, and so if whenever you start raising that vibration, people mm. that resonate with that, they will feel very good, very aligned, and they would like to live like this. The ones who don't, they just feel, okay, this is not the place for me, and they leave. How, how big was the turn? How many years does Lycovia exist at this point? Around nine years. And how much stabilization have you, you know, found in those nine years? I suppose the system has to grow, so it kind of picks up on mistakes you make probably so people move in move out my husband moved out you know and because yeah. of different reasons sure. for different reasons um, but that was always what I I kind of got from from the picture like Ovia is there is the possibility of community and sometimes you don't know what you're purchasing into. And I don't mean it in a bad way, but you don't think that far, you know, will I be happy not to leave the country for so many years because maybe I can't travel at the time, you know, or am I happy to, to live there with no car? Maybe it's harder to get around, you know, and get to the next amenities or to the next job you need to, to take on board. So there's a lot of things that come up when one decides to move into a community that is a little bit more remote like yours. So I assume there was a lot of turning points there as well. How do you find yourself after nine years of building this? I mean, um, here, like, when you, when you put together so many different people and many bought on pre-sales mm. and they didn't know what, what was going to come out of this experiment. So for some, it wasn't what they expected and they left, but many for personal reasons, they have, you know, yeah. older parents, a job, a, like yeah. couple splitting, mm. someone like a illness. Um, mm. There are many, many, many things that happen in the process yeah. uh, and as well like you know you have um like like life it's itself and how to support each other in a country that you know like for for some people 10 years ago it wasn't uh, as easy in terms of uh, remote working yeah. like having meetings in zoom or like it wasn't allowed like it was like mm. this uh, tele like the platforms you know, and the teachings and the communication that has evolved yeah yeah yes it, it changed since covid all that like mm. took another level and working from home it's the new normal yeah. right now it's like so yeah. many people are doing it and that would allow like we we were the first residential project in costa rica to have fiber optic to the house so that mm. allowed everybody to be able to work with a good internet connection from home mm. so you know like the there was 
rotation there are many that we start 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 from the beginning and we are like that we are here from the beginning and we are very happy hmm. but here like there are no like i i tell the people we we live next to a beautiful powerful river that is called the machuca river and and i tell everybody that that's our guru mm. teach yeah. us so much when you connect with it and you go there but it's like we have no no guru no like a leader in a way like it's i was a founder developer but now i'm one more neighbor here mm. i might have more knowledge about the the systems or something that i can guide because i know where the pipes are but it's in mm. terms of decision making or something we all have a vote mm. on how we make things the things that are happening and you know it was a beautiful beautiful experience i didn't you know i didn't know why um I try to follow the intuition and the steps mm. and what I it needs to happen, mm. and I didn't even have a, a clear picture of what what would be mm. or expectations. It was everything flowing, and just uh, going one step at a time, and everything started happen when the land showed up, people started showing up, and everything started flowing in a very beautiful and organic way mm. and suddenly we had about 60 kids and we had to start thinking about how we are going to educate them and pretty much we said like if we want want to see a change in the world we cannot keep giving the same education we receive that brought us here how can we evolve this and something and we discovered um, some education that was developed in Ecuador by a Swiss a German couple, yeah. um, Mauricio and Rebecca Weil, mm -hmm. that they created a, a center called Pestalozzi, was mm -hmm. in the 70s. And it started as a Montessori, and then they started developing their own techniques and experiences and over 30 something years they mm. came up with a great model and three Equatorians that were working there from the beginning they they were left without a job when they decided to close the school because they got mm -hmm. too old and didn't want to work anymore so we created Casa Sula that mm -hmm. is a very uh, beautiful a school in a, in a 220 hectare farm with the same river very close to Lake Cobia. It used mm -hmm. to be a petting zoo. So all the uh, the welcome center, ticket office, gift shops, so something right now is our school where mm -hmm. there are no classroom, no teachers, no homework, no exams. Mm. And you see the kids discovering and exploring like little science scientists and you see the in their eyes every time they discover something by themselves that they really understand it and mm -hmm. it stays with them for life all the mm. materials they can see it touch it feel it mm. and that's how they never like 
neurological connections start happening. And it's a beautiful pro um, process. And we talk so much about free range food, free range this, and with the kids, we keep them in the, in the same. In the free range, yeah. <laughs> Free range kids from uh, San Mateo. <laughs> I love it. That's good. Is there? Um, I you actually answered the question that was there on my mind. You know, when you have a vision like that, you did you have a vision like that? And then when you or did it develop? And you already answered it in the sense that it developed itself. But when you got hold of the land, you must have kind of had a moment of, wow, you know, am I doing this? Or was there never a doubt for you to move forward into no, it? No, there was, there was never a doubt. I was looking for land for a long time. And for one reason or another, it wasn't flowing. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, at the time, um, when when I was feeling it wasn't flowing, I said, okay, maybe it's not Costa Rica. Maybe it is somewhere else. Uh, maybe I'm not ready and I have to learn more. And, mm. and I proposed to my uh, girlfriend at the time, um, proposed to get married mm. and told her I want to go on a year, year long honeymoon around the world and mm. <laughs> visit, visit communities so we took a backpack and yeah. rented our apartment in here in costa rica and we went for a year visiting many we went to 30 something countries and we wow. visited many communities and seeing what works what didn't work and why mm. um and it was a great experience and also visit many other countries with the like looking if maybe that we found a place that we like better than mm. in Costa Rica. Um, mm. We didn't find it. We came back and after a, a, like a year or so, we she got pregnant um, and and when my my son was born, it was an urge that I felt. Okay, I don't want him to grow in the city. I don't want him to grow in this environment. I want him to grow in contact with nature, with other kids, give him an mm. alternative education. And it all came and that we needed to have community because mm. we couldn't be in the middle of nowhere with with our kid like he mm -hmm. wanted you know they want other kids to play with they want yeah so it was a, a thing that in that at that moment the land showed up it was a group of investors from united states that bought a land uh, in 2006 and in 2008 the with the real estate collapse the, that crisis, real estate crisis mm. that came, it was the opportunity mm. of being able to, that they contribute the land into the mm. project. So I didn't have to buy it or anything. They put up the land. I did pre-sales mm. and everything sold super fast in a matter of months. Mm. All the families showed up 
that they believe in this dream there was nothing to show like yeah <laughs> there was no infrastructure or anything they said okay it's just mm. a piece like a drawing mm. this is the idea who mm. wants in and no advertisement it was more like word of mouth social media that people would share mm. and it happened really really fast and and I didn't understand why at the moment, but it was for me, you know, having, as soon as I finished um, building like Covia, we were mm. finishing building our house. It, it happened simultaneously, finishing yeah. all the infrastructure and finishing the house. And my wife got diagnosed with breast cancer. And... Yes. In that moment, I understood the value of community. Mm. When you really have a tough, tough moment in life, like and being away from family, being away from people that you might know. And sometimes, you know, when this, um, when this illness is happening, some people get scared and they, they go away. From your life when you need them the most yeah yeah but when you have community they cannot escape you know <laughs> <laughs> they were the prisoners <laughs> to your support they, um, they live next door and we had all the time support with her with the kids hmm. i had like all the men we will come together every week we will meet uh, around the fire and share how we are feeling and supporting each other in that process and it was so healing and mm. so good to have that and men uh, you know women i i don't know how it's uh, in germany but you mm. like more latin women they are very um they can get together with their friends and uh, scream and cry and and show their emotions and being and it's a totally accept acceptable but we as men we have to be tough we don't we don't feel we don't do anything just you know we are yeah you have to be the support system you have to be the warriors and i think um that's another thing that is missing like you were talking about sustainability earlier and also that openness in sharing. And I think a lot of people are seeking that. Um, in Germany, I don't think there's a lot of trust around. I, I mean, there's obviously people that do allow each other to have that range of emotion with each other in friendships, you know, but I don't think it's a, a common thing, at no, least it's not. It's a common thing. And if you go out with a friend, let's go and have a beer. Yeah. You are not going to start like, crying or telling no. like telling him something very deep <laughs> yes, so, exactly like, yes yes be that but when you know you have that space and it's a safe container that everything mm. that's shared there is stays there mm. and you have your friends that are there to support you not only in that moment but the whole the rest of the week it's really mm. uh, priceless and you know Right up, like uh, one or two months after COVID started, my wife died. Um, and having 
having the community around was the most amazing ex like way that that could happen mm. there was so much love and respect for the space for every every day with my voice we will open i have two small boys and we will open the door and th there was a buffet waiting for us of everybody oh. bringing food and mm. just leaving food outside not not like uh, mm. they made a beautiful ceremony and it was very moving and touching and and you know part of i see my kids and myself that we are we feel so good and everything of having that support system around with the school with the kids with the, the adults and everything that happens mm. around mm. and that's when i understood okay this is why i was guided <laughs> to do what i what it is and and mm. it became a know everybody that comes and visit the Covia mm. and are here for a few weeks or something I feel that when they share suddenly like all the family all the family sitting around the fire sharing stories and singing it, it brings something to the cellular memory yeah that they say oh wow this is how we 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 should live yeah how we are used to yeah. live this is yeah. the right Mm. and and there is a big longing from many of having that community having that connection with nature and that allows you so much to mm. connect to yourself to a much deeper level yeah. and that's the point right we cannot we cannot just want to live in nature but it requires us to go much deeper and within because otherwise we're trying to have the cake and eat it <laughs> in a sense and i do believe in what you say very strongly that's also a sense of my podcast you know that idea of campfire stories nothing is wrong nothing nothing is right everybody has a story that can fuel somebody else that can inspire some some someone else um and thank you so much for offering your story and my deepest <laughs> condolences to your wife's passing may she travel lightly wherever she is gone to and um, yeah maybe to finish off is there something that you want to say to the listener that you feel they sh they could hear or should hear before we close off it's it's a uh, you know I, I feel it's very important and like you know, life is too short and we all have dreams and it's um it's really really important to make them happen sooner than later it's like so many of us we dream about living in communities or something and we don't have the courage to start but there are many places that are happening and they're starting and mm. uh, I'm developing more eco villages right now in in Costa Rica but there are many mm. that are happening around the world and mm. I want to create this container for more magic to happen when you put people 
that re resonate and vibrate in a similar vibration, you start keep raising it and you mm -hmm. can support each other in achieving those dreams much easier. Mm -hmm. The networking that happens, the whatever piece of the puzzle you are missing, it can be fulfilled when you have a community like that. And it, it yeah. takes the whole experience to another level. And yes. Yeah, exactly. It's something family doesn't provide any longer. We do provide as immediate family, but I, as you said, we got so distorted and isolated and individualistic. And obviously also some of the elders don't, you know, they don't, they don't find it possible to share what they, they need to share their wisdom, but they, they're becoming more of the ruler in the household because it's all so frazzled and fractured. So we all are looking for um, a different form of family at this point, I think, you know, so, or most of us. Yeah, yeah, it's a, and it, it's a so wonderful to see, you know, you know some all, older elders are attracted because they don't want to feel, they feel young, having young families or young people around and having kids and they mm. might not have grandkids but they they come yeah. here and they have that experience and the kids they love to have the elders they they're in their lives and and you know single parents as well like it's a it's a mm. great environment mm. to have others to support you in that journey and mm. and having that love and support all around and having a, a mm. that the kids even when they, they even if they're one having so many other kids that are like their cousins living next door and they grow yeah. like family all the kids they have a very you see the little ones playing with the olders like and so touching and moving that it's it's a it's beautiful to see and experience yeah so if anybody is listening and dying to come, do you have spaces available? <laughs> not, not now, but they will be. No. They will be very soon. Hmm. Um, but they can write on the website like kobia.com and they can send them information when, when yeah. it happens. So. Brilliant. Well, best of luck with growing that community into deeper and deeper healing and connection. And again, thank you so much for your time, Marcelo. Thank you for having me. Pleasure talking to you and meeting you. Yes. Bye. And thank you, dear listener. Tune back in next week for the next show. Bye.